0: ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدًا عبده ورسوله يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وَخَلَكَ مِنْهَا زَوْجَهَا وَبَثَّ مِنْهُمَا رِجَالًا كَثِيرًا وَنِسَاءً ۖ وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ الَّذِي تَسَاءَلُونَ بِهِ وَالْأَرْحَامَ ۚ إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ عَلَيْكُمْ رَقِيبًا ۚ يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اتَّقُوا اللَّهَ كَوْلًا سَدِيدًا يُصْلِحْ لَكُمْ أَعْمَالَكُمْ وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذنوبكم ومن اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ فَقَدْ فَازَ فَوْزًا عَظِيمًا ۚ أَمَّا بَعْدُ Sallallahu وَشَرُ Wa A man by the name of Zayd ibn Surna came one time to the Prophet and he lent him some money. And he made an agreement that he will get paid back on a certain date. So Zayd lends the money, they make the agreement, he goes off. A few days prior to that due date, a few days early, Zayd ibn Surahna comes back. He finds the Prophet wasallam who's gathered with his companions. He walks in, he interrupts the gathering, and he says very loudly, Ya Muhammad, why haven't you paid me back? I know you, and I know your family, and you people have a reputation for not paying your debts back on time. Everyone is looking around. Umar and he stands up, and he responds in kind. He responds appropriately. That this man, he just walked in and insults the Prophet wasallam to his face. And not only that, but he's not even the right, he came early, this is not even the agreed upon time. And for a lot of us, we understand that if someone comes and they attack us, they insult us, we hope, inshallah, that our egos are small enough that we, we can let it go. Right, if someone comes and insults me, fine, that's no big deal. But then to insult maybe my father or my mother or my wife or my family, the threshold for tolerance is a lot smaller. And this man, he walks in and he does both. He insults him to his face, he insults his family. And Umar radiallahu anhu, he gets up and he responds. And the Prophet wasallam at this point hasn't said anything. But he now looks at Umar anhu and he says, Ya Umar, we don't need this right now. We don't need this right now. Just take this man, give him the money that he's owed, and because you frightened him with the way that you yelled at him, Give him a gift to make up for it. Like give him some extra money to make up for the fact that you yelled at him. Forget that it was justified, forget that it was rational, forget that it was an appropriate way perhaps to defend the Prophet wasallam. He himself is saying, let it go, we don't need it, get going, move along. So Zayd bin Surna, he goes to Umar an. he gets the money, he comes back, and he says, "Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna muhammad rasulullah." I testify that there is no one worthy of worship except Allah, and that Muhammad wasallam is his final messenger. And he says, and on top of this, I pledge that half of my wealth be given to the cause of the Ummah, be given to the cause of the Muslimin. And then he turns to Umar anhu and he says, can I explain? Can I explain what happened? And he's like, yes, please, because this is a very weird situation. And Zaid, he says that he's actually a rabbi. He's not just some random person off the street. He is a learned man of Scripture. And he says that in our books, we have been foretold of this prophet that is to come. And this prophet will have a number of characteristics. And I have seen this man, Muhammad, all of those characteristics except for two things. Except for two things. One, that his tolerance overcomes his anger. And two, that in the face of insults, he becomes more forbearing. And he said that I needed a way to validate this. And so I had to come and I had to provoke him. I had to push his buttons. I had to try to rile him up. I had to try to get a response out of him to see if he indeed was the Prophet that was sent by Allah. And now after seeing how he responded, I have full conviction, full yaqeen, full certainty that this is indeed the Messenger of Allah. So this was the response of Zayd ibn Suratna. And this characteristic that he mentioned, forbearing, is very interesting. And it's a word that we don't hear very often. It's like a Muslim, English-speaking Muslim word like verily or circumambulation or something that you don't normally say but we say sometimes. But this is a word that comes up over and over again in our tradition. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes prophets with this characteristic of hilm. He says, "Inna Ibrahim al أَوَاهُمْ مُنِيبٌ that indeed Ibrahim alayhi salam is forbearing, Halim, and off returning to Allah. And when he's given, glad when Ibrahim is given glad tidings of a son we also know as a prophet, he was told, فَبَشَّرْنَاهُ who bihulamin حليم. that we give you glad tidings of a son who will be forbearing, Halim. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when he was in Medina toward the end of the Sirah, delegations and tribes would come to pledge their allegiance to the Prophet. ﷺ. They would come to accept Islam and pledge to him, and so you know, tribe after tribe, delegation after delegation. One time a delegation was coming, and the Prophet ﷺ told the companions, he said, This delegation that's coming over there over the horizon, these are very good people that are coming. This is very good people that are coming over here. So the companions ran to the outskirts of the city to meet them and to welcome them. And so this tribe, this is the delegation of Abdul Qais. They come. And as they see the companions, they see that they're getting close. It's said that they just started to rush. Like they're trying to pick up speed. They're trying to, they're asking the, where's the prophet? Where's the prophet? And they're like, oh, he's over there. And it's like as if they jumped off their animals midstream. Like they just couldn't wait. They just jumped off their animals and ran to the masjid. You think about the first time you ever go to the Haramein. Right? The first time you go to Mecca, what happens? You just want to drop all your luggage and run to the Kaaba. Right? That's it. You just want to run. Don't give me logistics, don't give me don't tell me this makes more sense. I just want to go see the Kaaba. That's it, right? Now imagine how they felt to go see and visit the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So they jump off, they rush to the masjid. Their leader, he comes and he sees this mess that's been left behind. So he starts tending to the animals. He starts tying them up. Starts getting their provisions together. And in the masjid, the Prophet sallallahu asks them, he says, where's your leader? They say, oh, he well, think he's still outside. So he tells them, okay, everyone sit down. We're not going to do anything until he shows up. So their leader, he's out. He's getting taking care of the animals, packing everything up. Sees that his clothes are dirty from travel. So he changes clothes, he freshens up. Then he comes into the masjid. When he comes in, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam welcomes him in has him sit down next to him and he tells him you have two characteristics that Allah loves al-hilm wal-anat hilm again, forbearance and deliberateness right, deliberateness and thought and so to understand hilm, what does this forbearance mean, and it obviously has multiple definitions, but one way that we can maybe summarize some of these definitions is that it is an intelligent version of patience it is an intelligent and gracious form of patience and so it's intelligent because it's, it is a characteristic where someone has the wherewithal, the genius to recognize the bigger picture, right, or the bigger vision behind something, and then the patience to execute on it. But it also means a sense of clemency, a sense of graciousness and forgiveness, of being easygoing, of being even keeled, right? You know, people that when things get really bad, they themselves don't get too down. And when things are really great, they don't get too high. They always stay even keel, right? They're level. They don't get too crazy either way. And so this characteristic of him we see in the Seerah over and over again. How the Prophet ﷺ showed us this characteristic. And so we all know the famous story of Ta'if. When the Prophet ﷺ went to seek protection from the people of Ta'if. And he went, and their response was what? To curse Adam to throw stones at him, right? They drove him out of the city, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And when the angel came and asked him and said, "You all you have to do is give the command. And the angel will crush the mountains on top of this town. And destroy everyone that is there. Because that would be a fair retribution. Justice for the way that they treated a messenger of God. And the Prophet sallallahu الله عليه said that, no, because from their offspring may come people that are Muslim. And so he showed us that although he could have taken his personal justice, which was fair, which was his right, he overlooked his personal justice for a larger vision. That I am here to deliver a message. And maybe my message didn't reach these particular people, but maybe their offspring, maybe future generations will listen to this message. And so he showed us that him. One time a Bedouin man came and he, you can say he physically assaulted the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa He came and he grabbed at his shirt, at his cloak, right? And like tugged at it, ripped at it, left a mark on his neck. And he said, give me money, give me money. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi he just very matter-of-factly, take this man and just give him some money. Right, let's not get too caught up and just take this man, give him some money and let's move on with our lives. Right, that was kind of his attitude. On his own accord, he never got riled up. And Anha, she said, she actually noted, she said the Prophet wasallam never took revenge on his own behalf. He never took revenge on his own behalf. He never lost his cool over a personal attack. He never struck anyone physically unless it was in the battlefield. So we never have a report of أعوذ بالله, the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, Someone saying something to him And him getting so enraged that he like punches them in the face Or that he flips out in some way He was always in control of his emotions One time he and Abu Bakr They were walking And a man came up behind them And he began insulting Abu Bakr Calling him names, insulting him, saying this, saying that And they continue walking. And they're ignoring him. And the man keeps on and on and on. And all of us know that there's a breaking point. Where we've had enough. There's a magic word that someone can say, where we say, okay, that's it, now you've crossed the line. Right, and the man said something, that crossed the line finally with Abu Bakr. So he turned around, and he responded. And when he responded, the Prophet ﷺ simply turned and walked away. He just literally exited the conversation. And Abu Bakr goes and catches back up with him and he's like, Ya Rasulullah, what happened? He said that when you were ignoring this man who was insulting you, an angel was responding on your behalf. But the moment that you gave in and began responding yourself, a shaytan entered the conversation, and I cannot be in the company of the shayateen, and so I left. So I left. That was the way that he taught the companions about this type of hil, this type of forbearance. And one thing that's fascinating about the character of the Prophet wasallam, you know, we hear over and over again that he was the pinnacle of good conduct, the pinnacle of good character, that he was sent to perfect good character. And we hear it so much that it begins to lose meaning. Or we begin to overly simplify it. That good conduct and good character means that when someone comes to your house, you feed them well. That you go out to eat dinner and you say please and thank you. That you clean up after yourself. That you're, you know, we reduce it down to very simple acts which we really should call just basic human decency. But what we find from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi was that good conduct was not when times were easy. Good conduct was when your buttons are pushed. <coughs> good conduct came in high stress situations. And it was the fact that in those situations that he maintained his composure, wasallam, is what makes it the pinnacle of good character. Because he kept his composure in times and situations where most people would have lost it. Or most people would have given it. And now a common refrain is that, well, okay, this is well and nice. But then doesn't that turn us into a welcome mat? Doesn't that let people take advantage of us? Because that's where our mind immediately goes, that if I display too much generosity, then people will take advantage of me. And what we find from the Prophet wasallam was that it wasn't that he just simply overlooked everything, and he never said anything. He very clearly set boundaries. He very clearly spoke up. And he spoke the truth. And he also displayed righteous anger when the situation warranted it. If there was something on the behalf of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he would display the appropriate response. And we hear this so many times when there's reports that they could tell that his face was angry, that his face became red, or that his voice rose. But this was always the exception. And it was always in a situation where, it was always in a situation where the circumstances warranted it. And ultimately, and this is the main point here, was that even when he displayed that righteous anger, it was purposeful. It was purposeful. It was with an intent to rectify some type of behavior. Or it was with the intent to display or to communicate that some situation was wrong. But the difference between him and us was that he didn't give in to his anger such that he lost control of his emotion. And that is the key difference. You know, sometimes with our kids, we might not be angry at them, but we display a level of anger to communicate the seriousness of a situation. And we know exactly what we're doing, very much in control, we're being stern with them, because we want them to change that behavior. But we haven't flipped out. There's a difference in that, and there's a difference when they do something that causes us to lose control, and we start yelling, and we, or we freak out, or something like that. And that's the difference that we have to have. But the Prophet sallallahu he showed us over and over again from his example that when he was pushed when he was prodded when he was provoked he maintained that level of him that easygoingness that forgiveness and he told us sallallahu alaihi that if you want Allah to forgive you be someone that is forgiving with the people be someone that is that forgives people and so we see his example that he never let the personal attacks get to him he never took revenge on his own behalf but he was always in control and that was his hilm and his forbearance sallallahu alaihi wasallam wa qulubul lahadza faqad wilkum fastagfiru innahu wal ghafurur rahim Bismillah alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala For those of us familiar with this term al-halim It doesn't escape us that one of Allah's most beautiful names is Al-Haleem. Allah describes Himself as the forbearing, or the one that has the most perfect form of forbearance, the the perfection of Hilm. And He uses this name in the Qur'an about 11 times. And each of these times He combines it with another name. And when we understand what Al-Haleem means in relation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it gives us an additional nuance, an additional connection to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. One of the scholars of Islam, they described Al-Haleem in relation to Allah. When Allah says he is, he is Al-Haleem, that it means that He is the one that observes the disobedience of the rebellious, He notices the opposition to His command, and yet anger does not incite Him, nor does wrath seize Him, nor do haste or recklessness move Him to rush to take vengeance, although he is utterly capable of doing so. So when Allah says he's the Al-Haleem, it is saying that he's well aware of the transgressions that we have committed. But he does not act to punish. He withholds. And one thing that's really interesting is a lot of us grow up with a, with an opposite perception of Allah. Because a lot of times we grow up, and our, you know, the, the name of Allah is used as a tool of discipline. Do this or Allah will be mad at you. Do this or Allah will punish you. Do this or Allah will do this to you. And we use it as a tool of trying to keep our kids in line. And then people grow up with a very broken type of spirituality because they think that my relationship with, with God is that Allah is waiting for me to mess up so he can punish me. And that's it. And so they don't have a healthy level of spirituality. But when Allah says He's al halim what He is saying is that I can punish you. You may deserve the punishment, but Allah is withholding because He's giving people another chance to repent. If He wanted to punish, He would have easily done it by now. But He withholds because He is giving people the opportunity. Turn back. Repent. Come back. Repent. You keep messing up and you keep getting another day to live. You keep messing up and you still get food on the table. Repent. Turn back. And to add even additional context, when we look at how Allah uses His name al halim in the Qur'an, sometimes He mentions it alongside His name Al-Ghafoor, which is the most forgiving, the one that forgives sins no matter how great they are. That not only does He overlook our actions, not only does He overlook our actions, but He covers them up. No matter how big they may be, He covers them up, and He wipes them away from our record. He sometimes mentions Al-Halim alongside Al-Shakur, another beautiful name of Allah. And what this tells us is that not only is Allah Al-Halim, not only will He overlook and continue to give us chance after chance, but that when we come back, He will reward us with much more than we deserve. He will bless us with much more than we deserve, because He's Al-Shakur. And He is Al-Aleem, halimun Alim that not only does He know everything that we have done in detail, but it is in spite of that that He withholds. And so think that when we talk about implementing Hilm for ourselves, our concern is what? That people might take advantage. People might abuse that privilege with me. And yet Allah is telling us that when He is Al-Haleem, He's saying, take advantage. The more chances you get, Chance after chance, take advantage. It is never too late. No one is too far off. But when Allah is al Haleem, He's saying that you have another chance. He's withholding, He's not punishing. In hopes that we seek His forgiveness. In hopes that we turn back to Allah. In hopes that we rectify that relationship with Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. (laughs) In Allahumma <laughs> nakat yusallu na nabi Ya al-Adina <laughs> amnussallu wa salimu taslimah, Allahumma <laughs> sali ala <laughs> Muhammad wa ala Ali Muhammad, ka ma'salayta ala Ibrahim, wa ala Ali Ibrahim and nakahamidu Majid, Allahumma atina fi dunya hasna wa fil akhirati hasna wa kinadab nar Allahumma zidna iman and wa yaqeen and wa fiqhan, Allahumma surah al-Islam al fi kulli makan, wa sala Allahumma nabiyana Muhammad wa ala Ali wa sahbi ajma'een, we promise sala.